make huge profits with NFTs. Today, we're going to dive deep in how you can use data to find some alpha when trading and investing in those NFTs. We have the founder and builder of DGen Data coming in live a little bit later in the show to tell us exactly how to do just that. Welcome to Go to the Metaverse. It's good to be back. Stanley, how are you, my man? I've missed you. I miss you too, buddy. Yassi's back, everybody, and he got new glasses. I got new glasses. I'm into a very, a very rare NFT called a baby that uh, comes with special perks, keeps you up at night, needs constant feeding and attention, uh, but you know, warms your heart just like your favorite JPEG. <laughs> Welcome back! Congratulations on the baby. Uh, I'm excited that you're back, man. I missed you too. You got those new glasses. They're very meta-esque, as we like to call it. Uh, <laughs> And welcome, everybody, to Goats in the Metaverse, the only weekly show that goes deep into the world of NFTs and collectibles. Before we get started, let's talk about my favorite part, your favorite part, the Goat Bowl. The Goat Bowl. Where are we, Stanley, with the Goat Bowl today? Wow. We are. $54,539. Well, which is down. A little bit. Last week we we're at fifty-four thousand nine hundred fifty-eight dollars, uh, yeah, but I yeah. think we're still doing pretty well with like yeah, okay. three grand investment. And since you do it so well, why don't you tell everybody what the Goat Vault actually is, Yasser? Well, for those of you who don't know what the Goat Vault is, where have you been? The Goat Vault is your chance to win some pretty epic NFTs every week. We look for new drops. We add some NFTs into the vault, never to be released until we hit 5,000 subscribers. And then we will be awarding our loyal fans and community those NFTs. We've spent roughly, as Stanley said, $3,000 investing our own money. It's 20x to 54,000. We are going to be investing up to $10,000 to put into the vault. And who knows, by the time we hit 5,000, it could be $100,000, a million dollars. Those NFTs are up for grabs, so subscribe today and become part of the biggest NFT giveaway ever. Ever. Um, all right, let's get right into it. Let's check out this week's top 10 NFT watch. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Boom! Our the first thing I can... The first thing I can tell you, Stanley, is just, you know, being out of action for the two weeks that I have been having a baby, there's names here that I don't even know anymore, like Farming Tales, Farmer's World, Farming Tales, $17 million up 1,100%, never even heard of it. Wow, this place moves really quickly. Tell us what's going on, Stanley. Really quickly. Let's talk about the top three NFTs. Axie Infinity, still number one. CryptoPunks, still number two. Board Ape Yacht Club, still number three. Those oh, three geez. NFTs have totaled $180 million in sales in the last seven days. $180 million in sales. We keep seeing those names on our list rotating, and they're still there. They're still there. They are the blue chip projects, but we got some new stuff, like you said doodles which we talked about on the show last week 
Farming Tales, no idea. Farmer's World, no clue. Uh, art Blocks. Art Blocks at number seven. What's going on with Art Blocks, Yasi? Well, I think what we're seeing is that there is a lot of excitement about new drops and uh, the play-to-earn economy still being dominant with the Axie world. And uh, Generative Art had its day a few weeks ago. It's maybe having a little bit less of that day, but you know, the diehard collectors out there are saying, well, now is the time to be focusing on art blocks and to be scooping up some rare ones uh, while everyone is putting their attention into the CryptoPunks, the Axies of the world, and all these new drops like a Farming Tales. Absolutely. And Creature Toads, which I believe is a brand new NFT, I know they got hacked before they even launched, is in the top 10 as well. And they seem to be moving pretty well as well. Um, but let, let's keep let's keep the conversation going on blue chips. Uh, there were a few big celebrities that recently bought those blue chips. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, Jordan Belfort. Uh, for those of you who don't know who he is, Leonardo DiCaprio played the guy in Wolf of Wall Street. He bought a punk. Thoughts, comments, feedbacks. Well, I think what we're seeing is this is the ultimate flex. Uh, it is getting a, maybe a little bit of a playbook that we're seeing happen. I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Belfort now comes out with his own NFT in two to three weeks' time. This seems to be the formula. A celebrity buys a punk, an ape, or whatever it is, and two to three weeks later announces that they're launching their own NFT. If that is the strategy, I think it's a little bit tired. Uh, and a little bit tried, and uh, I hope that's not the path that Jordan's going. He's actually entering into the space as an avid collector, uh, and we're going to see him like you know someone like Gary Vee, who is authentic. He's in it. He's in the Discord groups. He's supporting artists. He's got his own uh, NFT in the, in in the market, but very much part of the community. We're seeing a lot of trying kind of cash grabs or land grabs let's see what the wolf of wall street with jordan belfort does with a name like the wolf of wall street my expectations are low i think the guy is setting up a cold calling room as we speak right now and he's dialing for dollars he's doing something in the nft space uh and also we had some other celebrities uh kaigo an edm artist is in the space he bought an eight uh one republic lead singer ryan tedder bought 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 an ape as well uh and little baby everyone's favorite hip-hop artist bought an ape as well so you know and this is three completely genres of music right you have little baby who's a hip-hop guy ryan tedder who's a rock guy and kaigo who's an edm guy all joining the board api club and interesting enough little baby only follows four people the Board API Club is one of those people that he's following or one of those accounts. And that does give it some legitimacy that's like, hey, this is not a cash grab, right? This is somebody that's believing uh, in, in, in the Board Ape community. And another piece of interesting information that I believe we missed or we didn't share uh, about a week ago, Guy Sieri, uh, who's Madonna's and YouTube's, uh, U2's manager is now representing the board ape yacht club in hollywood um we've seen this happen with crypto punks that they signed with a hollywood agency 
And now we're seeing with the Board Ape Yacht Club. Playbook meaning we're going to see these guys in Hollywood very, very soon. Thoughts? Well, I, th I think what we're seeing here is that these are becoming iconic brands and major brands and being treated as such. There's collaborations with artists, with creators, uh, and there's representation needed in order to be able to navigate that space and elevate the brands even further. Board Ape has built in a very short space of time, uh, crazy how short the time is, a real brand uh, that people are excited about wearing their merch, merch selling out in, in seconds. They're throwing a yacht party at NFT NYC. I think that's why people like Kygo actually bought their ape. They just want to be on the yacht party. Uh, but I've really created a cool brand and uh, the moves that Board Ape, the Board Ape Yacht Club are doing is to treat it that way, that this is an iconic brand that needs representation uh, and that wants to start collaborating with the A-listers of the A-lists uh, across Hollywood and the globe. Absolutely. So what, let, let's, what are your thoughts on where the market is right now? I mean, some people are saying like, we have seen this week that some of the blue chips are starting to come back. Some of the mid tiers are slowly starting to creep. I mean, is this winter? Is this the new norm? Is this in connection to ETH being over four thousand um, dollars? What's your What's your pulse on the market, Yossi? Well, I wouldn't call it a winter. You know, if our uh, if our vault is still sitting at fifty six thousand dollars of a three thousand dollar investment, well, then maybe fifty four and change. I'm sorry, fifty four and change of a three thousand dollar investment. Then you know maybe people got a little too happy, a little too quick, uh, and things got a little crazy. So I wouldn't say it's a winter. What we're probably seeing is that with Ethereum now sitting at over four thousand uh, dollars, people are repricing some of their assets in US dollars, not only in ETH, and using that as a way to mechanism uh, and design how much they should be selling for. Uh, and we're seeing some attention moving uh, out of NFTs and into the broader crypto market. If the crypto market starts to slow and ETH drops down, we'll probably see attention going back into the NFT market. I'm not a trader, so I'm not into these short-term flips. What are we doing uh, buying one uh, and flipping every single day and trying to get into the next drop? I'm looking for NFTs like, let's use Bored Ape, where I think there is going to be a iconic status item that is built up over time uh, and creates that kind of exclusivity. Uh, those are the items that I'm investing in, so I'm not really bothered by these ups and downs. What's your view, Danny? Look, I, I agree. I mean, I... I, I know some people who bought, you know, toads of 15 ETH and now there are five, right? So they're definitely worried. But the one, you know, not financial advice conversation or tip or thing that I say to everybody is when you buy something, one, buy what you like and love. And two, be prepared for it to come crashing down and you need to withhold it in a long-term plan, Right. This is something that you might need to hold on to three, five, 10, 15, 20 years. And if you look at it from that perspective, yes, let's say something 10 X's or 20 X's. Is it a good idea to sell? I, maybe depending on your financial situation, depending on your investment, you know, other investments you have. And do you want to diversify? Do you want to take that cash and roll into another project? But be prepared to hold on to it long term. That's my ideology. That's how I look at everything. And if you are a trader, then yeah, listen, sometimes you got to, you know, take those punches and go try to make it up uh, uh, on the next one. 
Um, but I agree. I, I don't. I don't think it's winter. I. I, I think Eve is at you know forty one hundred dollars or whatever it is. I mean, if Eve went to a thousand dollars, I. I think there would be much more of a panic, right? I, I think that. I think that people would really start questioning: Is this thing for real? But you know, to kind of segue into the next piece of news, Facebook literally today made a huge announcement that I think completely changes the outlook of of what the future of NFTs looks like. Yasi, share that announcement with us, please. Well, Facebook decided that they need to rebrand the company uh, and that they are going to focus on being a metaverse-focused company or a metaverse-first company. Uh, so the company has been rebranded to Meta, and uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, delivered his keynote on Facebook talking through all the AR, VR, and uh, elements that are going to make up the metaverse that Facebook as a company are working on. He says that this isn't something that's going to be available next year or maybe even the year after. It's going to take time, but sees this as the next iteration of Facebook uh, and wants to be one of the major players, if not the major player, in making the metaverse a reality. We're already seeing commentary on Twitter with people saying, okay, we need to find a new word for what we're building, uh, giving you know immediate distaste as Facebook trying to own the metaverse. Uh, and part of the question is, will people trust Facebook as a brand, which is having some challenges at the moment as the owner of the metaverse, as this company that is now excited, that people are excited to be part of? Good question, but you know what? It is really, really, really smart what they did. I think a lot of people completely forgot that, you know, our social media experience really started on Facebook, right? They're, they're the ones that kind of created the social movement. Then they bought up Instagram and everyone's like, they're crazy. Why would they pay so much money for Instagram? Then they bought a WhatsApp. Everyone's like, what the hell is WhatsApp? Um, you know, besides the younger, younger generation that's using TikTok and Snap, I'm willing to bet that most people operate their day, their day base between Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp. And we know that's true because when they had the outage a few weeks ago, the world collapsed. Like nobody knew what to do with themselves, right? So now they're saying, hey, we're going to go build something in the metaverse. We're going to go put all of our attention, money, resources, which they have a ton of. This is a big signal that this is legit, right? Like this is beyond legit um I, I mean look i think they're making a very big bold play yes they have a lot of issues when it comes to security and privacy and you know congress and, and a lot of stuff that doesn't necessarily make it look good but at the same time they were you know they were tesla before tesla if, if you really want if you want to really break it down um i, I like it Maybe I'm a little old. I don't know. Maybe my gray hair is starting to, to, to show. I remember when it was cool to be on Facebook uh, and that you had to get an invite to get on Facebook or your college had to be associated with it. Well, so, that's my litmus test. You know, if I want to figure out where is the future going, I don't look at where people mean, where people like me and you are spending our time. I look at where people 12, 13 to 18 years old, maybe even younger, are spending their time. Right now, it's not on Facebook. Maybe it'll be on Meta. Uh, so we'll see if they are able to carve out that space. Part of that announcement is that 
Facebook committed to investing $10 billion into building the metaverse. It's a big number. They mm -hmm. aren't playing games. Uh, so we're seeing that the prize of being the dominant metaverse player is large. Uh, and NFTs within that is going to be the assets of the metaverse. So it's better that you educate yourself now on what these are uh, to figure it out. And we'll be keeping you posted on everything metaverse related, NFT related as the news unfolds. Absolutely. Uh, I see some congratulations are coming in for Yasi and people miss Thank you. you. Uh, Thank you. Before we bring in our, our guests, one last thing we want to share, which I think is huge in the NFT community, NFT NYC, NYC NFT. What is it? Why should you be excited about it? NFT NYC is New York's NFT event. Uh, it is a week-long event on all things NFTs. Uh, there was a running joke that there's more speakers than attendees, but I don't think that's true anymore. There's probably about 600 speakers that are speaking over the next week, but over 3,000 or 4,000 attendees will be hitting New York City. I looked at just the side events, and if you just went to the side events, uh, you would be busy from now till the end of next year. There's so much going on. So a lot of activity happening. Uh, it's, I think it's you can't get into the US from Europe right now, so it's going to be a very US-centric event with majority of the speakers and attendees. But if you're in NFTs, Everyone is going to be in New York City over the next week. Hopefully, that means that there's some great trades for you out there. You could be buying and scooping up some NFTs because everyone else is at talks, drinking, talking, and chatting, and partying, partying, partying. and partying. So they're losing out on some epic trades. Uh, so if you're not here, that's where I would be looking. Uh, and using something like... Our next guest is about to tell us about DGen data uh, and how you could use that data to give you some alpha when looking at which next NFT to acquire. So let's bring on Pat. Hey, how's it going? Good, good. How about you? Living the dream. Welcome to Goats in the Metaverse. Excited hey. to have you on the show. Yeah, so to be on. So tell us, DGen data. Yeah. How, how, where do we start? How, how did you become the data guy? Well, so my, my, to, to get to where I was in the NFT data world, I was previously running analytics at a, uh, at an on-chain analytics company back in like 2017, 2018. Um, and my background's a data scientist, love smart, like as soon as I found out about Ethereum, it was like dive straight down this like insane rabbit hole of, the world's largest massive database that's public and open. There's so much cool stuff that you can do. And then like the NFT market just got really interesting. And like, I just basically focused on applying kind of the smart contract blockchain analytics specifically in, the, in that vertical. So it was one of those things, you know, it's like, you're excited about Ethereum. NFTs are just like the cherry on top that like keep this space even more exciting than it always is. So I was just kind of like taking the two things that got me really excited and just pushing them together and sharing them with people. So data data in NFTs is a hot topic. 
I think we're seeing a couple of platforms starting to pop up, uh, but still a very, very nascent and new industry. People are thinking, what? You've got data on trading JPEGs. How does that actually work? Uh, so, you know, how does it work? What, what are you looking for and how can you have data on this type of stuff? Yeah, I mean, so the way that I look at it, I think, you know, Stanley and Ash, yeah, so you kind of mentioned there's there's kind of two categories of people. There's like long-term collectors and there's there's people who flip into projects. And I think that, you know, given the fact that blockchain data is publicly available, like giving people tools that help them kind of make the right decisions in this space is one of the things that like we're focusing on doing. So we kind of thought about it like, I've been in the crypto space since 2016 and you've seen a lot of scams and you've seen a lot of rug pulls. Basically, we just want to make sure that like the data is there, please use it. We'll help it make it easier, try and condense it so you can do your own research. But basically the way that we were thinking about it, like when, when we started doing this, um, the first project that I got excited in and like got hands on with the data was hash masks back when kind of like all this stuff started kicking off and the, the you know, 10,000 plus like profile picture projects really started like accelerating. So I got into that project and I was like, well, you know, unfortunately I just aped in, but like I didn't do any analysis, but to me, it's kind of like, you've got to have skin in the game to like make sense of it and keep your interest. So I started analyzing that market, understanding who is doing what. I started looking at the returns on some of these people's trades. I was like, this is insane. Like this is really wild that people are, are making this, this amount of ETH trading NFTs. And so it's, it kind of started there and I started kind of building like our, an MVP around, around hash masks. And then I started realizing like, it's not just about the, the growth of the floor. Like there's so much around like a project that drives value. It's like the community growth. So it's like distinct wallet holders. It's like, are your wallet holders whales? Like how many of your, of your holders have like ETH balances over a hundred grand, like all these different ways to personify the, the the wallet identity on chain and really tell like a better story around who's doing what, who's related to this project and kind of how it all fits together. So, so if to break it down, if I'm using DGen data and I'm trying to analyze a project, mm -hmm. some of the features I could see is I could go into a project. I could see who the owners are, how many owners are there and actually how much ETH they have in their wallet. Yeah, so if you go, I think you mentioned like, if you go to Doodles, that was a newer one that we added. It was one that, um, it's got an interesting growing community. I think a lot of them is, are around like, for us to add them, we wanna have some decent trade volume, like enough transactions that we can actually like have some meaningful data behind. And then like a good community that like wants to build and trade and look at this stuff. So, so basically what, what this looks at is in the top left, you just have like a basic volume total trades over time, as well as the median and average price um, of the of the NFT. And so this gives you like a good health of like the floor. Usually like this chart, what we're seeing is the, uh, in the top left, you'll see a normal trend for when a project drops day one, two, three, four, volume is just like spiking, the speculation's really high. Normally the floor, if it's just like, if it doesn't have a good community around it, the floor tends to just kind of follow the volume. But on the inverse, if you see like a product that does good community growth, you see like the floor and average and medium price kind of pulling up along the way. So that's like a good macro view. And then if you start getting into like understanding the personas of who's buying stuff, you can look at like the top buyers and sellers. So 
for the for the time range that we're looking at, you know, the top buyer looks like it's bought, you know, a hundred has bought four total doodles for a total amount of ETH. And you can see who those sellers are as well. So if you see, you know, a big signal would be like in the for example, for punks, there's a few wallets that hold a lot. If you see those wallets just like offloading stuff, then you can start to get an idea of like, okay, there's there's like sell pressure coming to the market. How's it going to impact floor prices and vice versa? So that just gives you an idea of like how different wallets can move these markets. And then you get if you if you're like a trader, so there's a kind of like the two macro levels that you can look at. And then if you're like a trader, you own one of these, you want to try to like figure out what a fair price is. Normally everybody kind of prices things by the floor, like that's your base value, but let's say you have some traits that are interesting, then you can, you know, slice out by specific traits. Like, so in doodles, if you have a specific body type, specific face or hair, however the community values those traits, you can start to slice like, what is a piercing versus something that, you know, uh, that doesn't have one. And so basically we kind of have it as those, we kind of view it as those three tiers as like good macro on price, good overview on who's doing what, where, and then if you're an individual holder, like, how is the value of certain trades being adjusted throughout the market? And then uh, the other the other cool part is if, if you click on the, there's a little uh, link to a tab called Holder Stats. If you click on that, this is like a, a great overview of the community. So we have the total doodle holders buckets. So, you know, over 50% of the doodle holders only hold one. So there's not like a heavy concentration of whales, you know, somebody holding a thousand that could, do whatever they want and dump things on the market, really rip the floor down. Uh, and then on the other side, you have like the ETH bucket balance. So half of more than a little over half of the wallets have under one ETH. And then the scatter plot on the left tells you like, here's the distribution of wallets that hold doodles and their ETH balance. So you can see one outlier on the right has an extremely high ETH balance, but a low doodle balance. And then vice versa, there's one wallet that's got a lot of doodles and a lower ETH balance. And then the, the final chart is like, distinct holders over time. So this is a great metric to get a good idea of like how the community of holders is growing. Or, in, you know, on the inverse, is it dropping? Is it something that people are selling? Is it somebody, you know, has a number of wallets holding going down over time? And that could be like a signal that, you know, either hardcore collectors are accumulating or the project is losing interest. So there's a lot of ways to kind of slice it. But I think that the interesting thing is that this stuff is all public data. And it just takes, you know, pulling this stuff together and, you know, building a narrative around what you think of a project and does, does some of these data points support it? So that, so that, I mean, that's firstly awesome and amazing that you've pulled all of that data and made it publicly available for people to consume. And we'll go into the business model and, and uh, how, how you're thinking about uh, commercializing it if you are. Um, but what, what on that hodler holder stats that you just showed us for doodles, like what, what would you be looking for? What is a healthy, community look like that's giving you the indication that there's something interesting here i should go into it and what would like an unhealthy um community look like what 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 are the flags that you're looking for yeah so like one of the things that's that's good to see is like a the holder balance on the, the top left pie chart is like fairly distributed amongst most wallets so it looks like close to 90 percent have less than five doodles overall so there's not a single concentration and then where the where there are wallets that hold more than five or you know thirty five doodles, how, how many is it? And you can actually see on that scatter plot on the on the bottom, if you hover over those dots, like the one at the very top left, 
is there's one wallet that holds like a lot of doodles, but it's not like 57 doodles and 16.92 ETH balance. Yeah, exactly. So they, they're not like a, they could have an impact on the market. So to me, that's like a, especially for these high circulation NFTs, like 10,000s, if you hold a lot, you have more, you have more impact. So to me, this looks like there's no one person that can really like push things around. And then it comes down to the team on the doodle side to say like, how can we engage with, with a larger community? So I think to me, those are some of the healthy, the healthy signals. The ETH balance stuff is just, I think it's interesting to look at, like, do you have, you know, whales in this project? And that's like a good, a good proxy for whales. I know a lot of people have NFT whales and that's not, you know, your NFT balance is probably larger than your ETH balance in some cases, but I think just having a general benchmark of like, okay, here's much, how much buying power some of these wallets have in this community. Let's look at what they're going into. That's another thing I think is really helpful. If you see wallets that are making big bets on projects, what other bets are they placing? You know, let's look at what other projects are collecting. Let's look at, you know, what other, is it DeFi protocols or, you know, other, other things that they're doing on chain and just starting to understand like, where are they placing their bets? Cause usually there's a good time if somebody's, like you're talking about with, with Facebook, a $10 billion bet on the metaverse, you know, that's, it means it's, it's definitely going to be something. So if somebody's putting a lot of money behind projects, I like to understand what else they're making bets on. And then, you know, obviously start my research there. No, I, I actually think that that's a great stat. And I know obviously there's other platforms out there, but uh, I think the fact that you guys are looking at the ETH balance, and I think the other part of it is if everybody had, let's say, that on the doodle had below one ETH, you would kind of think that they're they're flipping this, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're, or there's a higher probability that they're going to try to flip this project because they need more ETH at right. one point or another, right? So they're probably bought in to flip this, which I guess from your perspective might be also good, right? Because if they're trading, it creates it creates value. Uh, or I mean, if they're trading, it creates volume. But uh, is there any more thought behind that? Like, is can we go deeper on the data to actually try to understand like when is the market gonna like go up or down or, or not? Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at like uh, the distinct wallet holders over time, is a good metric for like the growth of of people entering this space. So right now it looks like there's just under five thousand holders for Doodles, um, but I think that like as volume starts to pick up. I usually volume usually precedes floor price, and if volume starts to pick up, then you envision floor price to kind of follow suit. So if there's a bunch more buying and selling, there's usually there's usually an indication that people are more interested in this project, and that usually precedes the floor price getting ripped up. And I think if you look at things like that, like from from projects that have a longer data track record, like Chromie Squiggles, for example, or uh, like. Mooncats or, or any of those those projects that you have a little bit more on-chain data to support, you can kind of apply those those ideas or those those hypotheses to newer projects. And so that's kind of that's kind of the way that I look at it. I look at it from the data perspective. There is like to trading NFTs, there's also like a big component of like vibe, right? Like is it cool? Do you like it? Like are your friends into it? Are people talking about it? And those are the things, you know, again, buy the stuff you like. And if some of the stuff you like is the stuff that we're supporting and it's an investment, obviously, like do a little bit of research, but those are, there's always like the cross of like, also, do I like this? So I think that those are, those are the areas we, we want to give you the things that outside of the vibe check, 
that, that you should have access to if you're looking into stuff. And how do you decide what are the things that you're putting on DGEN? Because, you know, almost it's almost a stamp of approval. And just by listing it on DGEN data uh, could have an impact on the on the performance of the uh, of the NFTs. Uh, so what's that process like? Yeah, so I mean, the it's kind of a combo of like buying NFTs. To us. So we feel like there's got to be enough secondary market traction to really warrant adding data on chain. Two, you're doing something you know unique and new to the space that like warrants, like you're pushing the NFT space forward, um, or you're doing something in a novel way that's just not you know another ten thousand profile picture, but it's like you're thinking what what can NFTs be and how can I push them forward? And then the third is just kind of like like do we like the project? Are they you know does it have a good community around it? Do we see long term roadmap? Have they executed on the things that they've done or said they'll do? And then, you know, kind of once it meets kind of those three checks, it's like, all right, we'll add it. We, we usually don't do anything where it's like people hit us up and they're like, can you, can you put our project on? So to me, if it's, it needs to just kind of like have these, these checks first. And I'd rather not just like, quote unquote, give the stamp of approval for, you know, for, for some, for some ETH. Because I think like at the end of the day, like it's a reputational risk to say like, we, ju we just want to support things that have already proven that they're, that they're capable of delivering on their roadmap, their dev team's cool, like their community's growing. You know, you guys got to do the work to deliver on what you said, and everybody that I think we're supporting is is more or less doing that. There's some edge cases, like I think I think people get uh, there's mixed reviews around Mecca's, but the the pre-trade reveal volume was like insane. That it yeah. just like there's so much that we have to look at here. How, how, how long does it take you to add a project? Is it, is it something that, you know, is a lot of work and time and effort? Or is it is it more from the other side of like, you're just trying to curate the best of the best projects and you want to be selective on the ones you pick just because you want to make sure that they're legit projects? Yeah. Oh, do I have the URL wrong on the Mecca's? I might have directed you to the wrong one. Um, well, let's go to Mecca's um, and, and dive into that after you answer this question. Oh yeah, so um, there's there's like a standard plate of, uh, of queries that we develop, and the the implementation of those to get it on on DGen data, build everything, it takes about an hour and a half to two hours, um, and then the but there's like a lot of there's each project has like different data points that are kind of interesting to it. There's different utilities to how it could be done or what what you can do with them that are also worth exploring. And so those are some of the things that will like, if if it requires some some, some custom analytics, we'll build it. But normally it's a, it's about like an hour or two. The framework's all kind of like ready to go. It's just projects that we pick and projects that we like, and and then we'll add them. And did you you just so um I heard you correctly? You started buying NFTs first before you started building the data, correct? Yeah. Were, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. My. My first like non-NFT but crypto collectible was a pair of Unisox. Um, and that like started kind of getting me into the uh, like collectible idea of stuff on chain like that, but it didn't really check like the the 721 standard or the NFT token standard. Um, and then uh, unfortunately I redeemed the physical pair of socks. I got them hanging on my wall here. <laughs> okay, but, uh, that kind of kind of stinks, but 
But it's cool. It's, what, it's what, like $92,000 today if you... Yeah, uh, yeah I still had the token of you about 90000 So that's, that's a socks, if, if, if you ask me. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I'm just too afraid to open them and wear them. That's the real flex. Um, so that was like my first one, but I didn't, like the concepts didn't really click for me. And then I was talking to uh, a friend of mine, uh, guy, you guys probably know him, Andrew Steinwald. He's from Chicago as well. And we were both starting businesses around the same time. And he was starting stuff in the NFT space. And he was telling me, you gotta, you gotta look at crypto punks or crypto voxels at the time. And I, I, I mean, I took his advice, but I, I picked crypto voxels. So I started looking, uh, into it, like the idea of digital ownership in on land in a metaverse made more sense to me than than punks, and that like it just had utility to it at the time that made sense to me. Um, and that's when I, you know, that was early 2020 that I started kind of like exploring, playing around. And then the third NFT that I got into was hash masks because it kind of like again had a utility to it where you hold it, you accrue tokens, the tokens can change the name, it's more interactive. And so that was the one that like, I was like, okay, so there's an element of DeFi to this. There's an element of the NFT to this. There's an element of utility. And I can like, and the idea that these trades and properties like have some different value, like the value movement is different based on how these traits like you own, like accrue some sort of value. So I wanted, that's kind of where I started like really diving into the data. So I had like a really like brief intro into the, into the NFT space. Still did a little bit of research, but like really went full heads down once I once I uh, participated in the hash masks. But now, so you know, your your theory or thesis around hash masks was kind of utility will prove to be uh, more valuable over time, and hence why you know voxels and not punks. But with the uh, with the advantage of hindsight, punks have uh, have overtaken and you know floor price close to 100 ETH and hash masks and voxels haven't had that same type of appreciation. Yeah. Why, why do you think that is? And what do you think that means for the uh, kind of conversations that are happening now? Like where's the utility in these NFTs, but the assets without utility seem to be doing the best. Yeah, I think that's the, uh, that was like the awakening for me when I got into this stuff. Cause I, I think I was looking at it from, from like, I'm coming from DeFi. So the utility must come with, a token that I'm buying. NFTs were more like every time I applied that thesis, I, I mean, it did all right, but it's, but the idea of like, there's a community value. And that's why I think there's a lot of metrics that aren't necessarily like about like the price movement and more about like how many people are getting involved in a project or like you were showing like who's buying these projects, like who are new ape owners, who are new punk holders, the community aspect. As soon as I, like, as soon as that, like, light bulb came out. I was like, I get it now. And that was like the same thing with the cryptos. I was like, Oh, these are cool. People think these are funny. Like I, they're cool. I vibe with them. And then, you know, it's kind of like all those, the, the community aspect of like, there's, it's, there's a, a fun component, like how fun is this project? Like, you know, so I think that's a lot of the things. And then there's other narratives that drive value to things that don't necessarily have utility. Like, Everybody's big on, you know, historically relevant NFTs. So obviously punks quote unquote claim the title of, of being the OG NFT, but obviously like there's things that predate crypto punks, but I think a lot of people see the value in like of things that were ahead of their time. And so I, I think that's another interesting piece, but yeah, the profile picture stuff clicked 
after I kind of like spent more time in discords chatting with people and stuff like that. So do you think, I mean, long-term, do you think that's going to change? And do you think that obviously the market is getting flooded? We have, you know, I don't know, hundreds, thousands of new NFTs coming in on a daily basis. Uh, nobody could really keep up. Do you think that eventually, you know, the ones with the utility and the ones that are going to be, you know, a lot more innovative than others, obviously community is important. Obviously story is important. Mm-hmm. But do you think the ones long-term with utility are going to win? Yeah, I think like, I mean, it, to think about it, like this full year being like crypto NFT year, is i mean it's, it's been a really it, it feels like the space is so advanced so far but it's really been like a year and so to and i think if you if you look at it from like a long-term perspective and that's kind of how i think about it having like i've been in crypto and i've written ETH from 10 sub ten dollars to two thousand dollars to eighty dollars like if you can stomach and you're in it and you have conviction in this stuff I think there is plenty of room for these things to be long-term like household name items, you know? And I think that like NFTs are just scratching the surface on what they can do. And I think Board Apes is really like the one that's showing like a ton of crazy cool utility. Like I don't own one and I, I had the opportunity to get in and I just was like, I don't, I don't know, but, but they're, they're executing and doing really cool stuff and they've got a yacht in New York and they're like providing cool stuff to their, to their holders and I think the brand is forming and I think like these communities are going to be massive brands in the future. And like if you couple that with, you know, Coinbase launching a mark an NFT marketplace, Facebook creating a metaverse, like these things are just going to become more and more and more prevalent. If you can stomach, you know the volatility. Yeah, yeah. If you can if you can stomach like the price of your NFT like you know, going down to nothing. You know, I think you have to be ready to ride that wave and have some conviction if you if you're if you're in it for the long haul. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the the one question I get asked maybe ten times a day. Is it too late? No. Is it too late? No, is it I, too late? Should I buy ETH? Should I buy my first NFT? Or is it too late? Yeah, no, I think I don't think it's going away. I mean, I don't think it's it's too late. I think there's so much cool stuff outside of the NFTs going on on Ethereum in general that like the NFT market is exploding. What NFTs can do is just like, it's just being figured out. Like there's so much potential locked up in what these things can do, what they can access. Integrating web three into like traditional web two, like more sites are just gonna start having, like Twitter's gonna start supporting profile pictures. They're like web three integrations. And you know, eighty percent—that's being generous—is on Ethereum. Um, and I think that, like, if you look at the building around, like, being a builder in this space makes me very, like, very excited because, like, you see the other things, like the writings on the wall when you hear people doing stuff like that, and you're like, well, this means it. It doesn't mean that like Twitter's implementing NFTs. It means they're integrating with Ethereum and me. And then I'm like, all right, ETH, ETH to ten thousand is like a very realistic number to me. I agree. Friends that I had that bought Bitcoin back in 30K and they're like, oh no, it's an eight now. And I'm like, okay, just just hang on. Just hold. You know? Yeah, and, and you know, they'll, they'll be all right. I mean, they're all good now. So everybody's kind of, uh, you except know. Except the one guy who probably sold it, right? <laughs> yeah, except for like the one person. But uh, but yeah, I do think like it's 
it's not too late. And I think like you, if you want to get into this space, you do have to, you have to have some skin in the game. It makes it a lot more interesting and you learn from like your bad trades. You got to lose money up and, and learn some lessons. And, and lessons we have all learned, some of them very painful, but yeah. uh, you know we're, we're in it for the vibes and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and having fun and learning as we go. Let's go back to DGEN data. Um, all uh, all the data is available and accessible, and you've you've put it all together brilliantly for us to be able to consume uh, and understand without having to be a blockchain wizard. Um, why why have you why have you done this? Well, one it's just I mean I was pretty excited about like the space in general, and I think putting things out there for people to use. It's crypto has been like the I, I mean this stuff's so fun like. It's the most exciting space, and I, I feel like giving something back to to a space that's like given a lot, you know, to the people involved is uh is like it's nice to do. Um, so I think for that reason, you know, this is why we just opened it, didn't internalize it. I mean, I think we could have, you know, people were like shut it down, just trade on this stuff, or you know, run some proprietary stuff. At the end of the day, like i'd rather have a product out there that grows the adoption of this space rather than like internalizing it and kind of keeping it to myself because i think like i'm long crypto for 20 50 years so like what's going to get more people like me five years ago to get as excited as i am right now and like giving people tools stuff they can touch look feel understand become comfortable in making investment decisions like in this space i think it's just like a, a way to help push crypto more mainstream from the way that that i can provide it you know i'm not like a you know a, a celebrity buying a punk saying like here's a million followers but i think from the people in the space that want to learn it get familiar that's that's kind of what we we're thinking that, that's awesome and, and i think literally every single week we we talk to different people in the space and it's the same exact conversation right like i want to get more and more people into the space i want to build a community I want to give it back and you could tell it's genuine it's authentic yeah. it's not somebody that's you know we're not waiting for the other shoe to drop but but i think to, to that point of you know to, when you answer the question we're early right we are early i i saw a stat i don't know if it's it's 100 accurate but it sounds accurate less than 0 0.009 internet users own an nft and if you think about that it's that number is insane right like what happens when we get to point you know point zero zero uh one percent of internet users right does yeah. that mean that uh like we're just we're all on yachts and uh <laughs> the, the the data that we have available is just is, is on a different level yeah and i think that's that's one thing that i think is really interesting like we if you look at it, if you even boil it down to a smaller sample size, if you looked at like the number of wallets on on Ethereum, and I, I forget what that number is. Uh, I know it's a, an Etherscan stat, but they have like the wallet creation rate. And let's say it's like a couple mil, like 16, 17 million. I can't remember the exact number, um, but like less than, a million wallets own an NFT. Like there's a, they have a zero balance of, and it's, it's, and that's being generous. I know it's like under 500,000. So like even in the crypto space, there's just so many wallets that don't hold an NFT. So there's still a long way for 
for the crypto world to even start like getting into this further and further. And I think where the diehards and, and the, you know, early enthusiasts are like, there's a big community of, of excitement around it, but I still think that there's like a, a long way to go. Let's put you on the spot. What, what are your three favorite NFTs? Oh, that's a good one. Three favorite NFTs. And why? Uh, yeah, I think the, well, I think our, our punk is, is one just because I think we, you know, it's a punk. I think that's just. Punk. That's it. You don't have to explain anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the the other favorites, I think, is one. Uh, I mean, we have a we have a squiggle. I like the squiggles. We like the squiggles. Um, and then I think the third one would probably be. There's a guy. I mean, this isn't like a profile picture famous project, but there's a guy called Taken's Theorem, and he does like these beautiful on-chain data visualizations. And it's not, you know, it's, it's not algo generated. It's like, you know, he builds them. Um, but he's got a couple NFT projects that are visualizations of his data. That's all beautiful, like on chain analytics, like network graphs that are just really cool. And I think his stuff is probably one of my, my third favorite, just cause like it's because it's so data oriented and it, he makes it look cool. Speaks uh, to yeah. Yeah. So I think that's kind of my, my third one. And it's funny cause like, He's been, he's, he's just like, does, well, he's a anonymous person, but like everything he's done is like super cool. Gives all his projects he donates back to, to charity. He's just like, I don't know, overall, like a good, seems like a great person, does cool, cool stuff. So that's my that's name again. Taken's Theorem. I'll, I'll drop a. And we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, that'll be great. And what, what's next for DGen Data? Where, what can our audience expect? I mean, what, what are some of your longer term goals? Yeah, so I think there's, uh, <clears throat> obviously we'll continue to support growing communities um, and you know different trade analytics. I think supporting more of the play to earn stuff would be pretty interesting. It's like the dynamics around that space are just different than collecting. Um, it's not so much just like, buy and hold and look at a few of the metrics that are, you know, driving community adoption or driving value accrual, but like, how do you generate income in play to earn? How are the dynamics of the game working as well as the NFT dynamics? So I think that's, that'll be a really interesting, um, like data component. Uh, so there's, there's kind of that piece. And then we think like long-term like DeFi and NFTs are definitely going to to merge and you're starting to see that with protocols that are allowing people to take out loans against their NFTs, you know, throw them in a pool and get some sort of liquidity instantly. Um, and we think that a, to, to properly um, like push the value of these NFT and DeFi's, you need some sort of pricing Oracle to get a fair market value of, let's say you have a mid tier NFT based on, you know, rarity, historical price sales, community growth. We think that there needs to be some sort of solution that helps bridge the gap between DeFi and NFT valuations. So I think things along those lines are going to start becoming more and more necessary as that, as that intersection starts to mature and kind of being a natural data provider um, that kind of crosses those two spots will be pretty, uh, a pretty interesting way to, to get involved in, in a, a broader growing segment of the NFT world. So if our audience wants to help in your uh, mission of making this more accessible, which uh, we're very thankful for, uh, how can they get involved? What do you need? And uh, how can they reach out? 
Yeah, absolutely. So our Twitter is dgendata. Um, so you can always DM us on Twitter. That's probably the easiest way. Um, and then obviously like ideas for projects, we're always open to looking in, into projects that are worth supporting, communities that are growing. Um, if you have ideas, a lot of people hit us up for ideas for features that they want to see. And those are always like really good. Um, like those are usually the ways that we end up getting a lot of the inspiration for the data that we want. If somebody's like, hey, this would be really cool. So if you have ideas, definitely let us know because um, we're definitely open to implementing them. Um, you can follow us on, on Instagram as well, uh, dgendata.io. Um, and again, DMs are, DMs are always open. That's the easiest way to reach us. And we're down to chat and we love this stuff. So feel free to hit us up on anything. I'm going to give a pro tip to, to our viewers. Uh, Instagram is a great way to connect with your favorite NFT influencers. That's how we connected. And, and I, I think it's funny because like everybody who's huge on Twitter has a very small audience on, on, on Instagram and, and, and it's a lot yeah. easier to reach out and start a conversation or, or maybe I'm showing my age and I prefer IG over Twitter. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. No, and Instagram's nice because I think you get, especially from the NFT world, it's just a lot easier to see like what people are doing. You know, it's, it's more visually appealing than reading, you know, blocks of text all day. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's a completely, yeah, obviously a different platform, different yeah. conversation. But I, but I just think it's funny that I've reached out to a few people on Twitter, gotten no response, and I've reached out to people on IG and have gotten a significant response. So if, if you're looking to connect with somebody in the NFT community, maybe that might be a tip. Hit them up on IG. Um, all right. Well, listen, Pat, I mean, kudos to you. We love the platform. We use it. Uh, we're definitely going to continue to use it. We're going to share it with everybody. And, and I mean, my takeaways are that like, it's all there for you, right? Uh, you have to spend the time you have to put in, you know, the, you got to do the work, but yeah. all the, all the information, all the data is there. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, I, I think, I think that's probably one of the best parts about the space. So you, whatever you want to know, you 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 can find that information out. It's all about blockchain. People are so friendly and helpful. Like they want you to get into this stuff. People are willing to answer your questions and, and onboard you. I mean, the yeah. amount of people that I'm like, here, here's how you set up MetaMask. Here's how you get ETH. Here's how you buy an NFT. Like, I want them to, to get bitten by the NFT bug or the crypto bug and go as deep as as we've all gone. Yeah. So, kudos to you, man. Keep keep doing what you're doing, and and I love that you dove all in, right? Data scientist, you went from hey, I'm buying crypto to I'm going all in, and we'll continue to keep an eye out on DGen data, and hopefully, you know, have you back from time to time to digest projects together. Yasi, any last words for our man Pat? Yeah, what I love about uh, DGN Data and Pat, what you're doing is this is just the ethos of decentralized <laughs> open systems. You know, yeah. no one came, you know, Ethereum started. No one said there's going to be an analytics platform for NFTs that's open, accessible, that's tracking wallets and telling you where you should potentially be investing in the, com in the community and in these uh, platforms. And here we have a developer who's, you know, dedicating his life to giving us that information at, you know, no cost to us. Like, where else in the world can you get that? It's incredible. Yeah, so 
Pat, really, really thankful for the work that you do and uh, for making this uh, community that much more accessible and understandable. Uh, so Absolutely. it's great to have you on the show and we look forward to uh, using DGen data in many more of our analysis uh, and the communities that we're backing and hopefully some profitable trades. Absolutely. Pat, next time we see you, you got to wear those socks, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got to do it. Uh, well, as a closing, let me know if there's a project you guys want me to support. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to, to throw something up. If you guys have, I saw the vault. I want to keep that vault growing. So if you could put some data behind any of the projects that you guys are in, let me know. We'd be happy to get you up. Love Amazing. it. We appreciate that. We'll have you back awesome. soon. Pat from DGen Data. Guys, check him out. And uh, we'll talk to Pat soon. Peace, Pat. Awesome. Thanks for having me. See you guys. Wow. Another, and this is what I love about the space, and I think most people don't understand. I didn't understand it. Now, a minute, I understand it. Like, this guy's dedicating his life to providing value for others, right? Like, and I do it on a day to day basis. You do it on a day to day basis. Everybody that's in the space is teaching others how to get into the space. And there's no, like, my, you know, it's not a pyramid scheme, right? There's no, like, commission there's no like yeah like i'm making a residual value by somebody else buying an nft or anything like that and that that's what i really really love about the space the community aspect of it and we see it on a day-to-day -day basis from everybody we speak to yeah we've got the smartest people in the world and uh you know you can see that with the way pat looks at things uh spending their time and life trying to create value for this uh you know for this almost a religion of bringing decentralized technology, NFTs to the world and making everyone an owner and uh, bridging the gap from creator, from creators to owners. So, uh, you know, kudos to Pat, uh, love the platform and uh, can't wait to see who we have on next week and what happens. Next week, check NFTs. us out and don't forget to subscribe. Why do we subscribe, Yasi? One more, listen, you were out for few weeks you guys <laughs> tell us again about the go vault yasi well we subscribe because you know that's the only way we can tell you about all the awesome things that are happening in the nft world and in the metaverse give you some alpha bring people on like that and teach you all you need to know about the latest drops how to think about nfts and be in this community as our sweetener we have the go <laughs> the little sugar on top, the goat vault, where we're taking 10,000 of our own dollars, investing them in new NFTs, new drops, putting them in the vault, securing them there, safeguarding them, not for us, but for you. That when we get to 5,000 subscribers, we will be opening up the vault and you will be able to win its contents. By then, you know, what could that price of that vault be and the value of that vault? I think it's going to be in the seven figures uh range oh, i hope i hope we get to uh 5000 subscribers before we hit seven figures but well i hope that seven figures comes you know in the next 3 weeks <laughs> but let's see what happens uh so don't forget to subscribe to the show and uh we will as always see you next week on goats in the metaverse yes sir and yasi welcome back my friend it's good to have you back thank you everybody you back, for baby. tuning in i'm excited and we'll see everybody next week Peace.